We're going back to sunny Queensland today. Oh, nice. Yes, um, because shortly after we recorded our last podcast, they changed the law, or they talked about changing the laws. As a result of what we said? I'm, I'm sure they <laughs> suddenly thought. Now, they had a big conference last year, and there was a few proposals about uh, body corporates come out of that. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Victorian Builders Association that is going to crack down on phoenixing. Great. They say. And we're going to talk about the controversy over the new big development proposed for Little Bay. In Sydney. In Sydney. Mm. We'd better get on with it. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams and I write about property for Domain. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So Queensland has been having a government review of their strata laws for the past four years, haven't they? And now they've come up with something? The first set of proposals was issued this week. Everybody's getting a little bit excited And that's about as excited as they should get because these proposals, first of all, have to be tabled and then they have to create committees. Then they've got to call for submissions and all the people who oppose the ideas and support them have got to have their 10 cents worth. But the biggest element of this tranche of proposals is they're going to do away with the requirement for a unanimous vote to extinguish a strata scheme. So that's if you want to, you've got maybe a very old building, you want to sell it to developers who want to knock it down and build something else. Yes. Previously, they needed 100%. Absolutely. And now it only will take 75% of owners to vote for yeah. it or no no less than 25% of owners voting against it. When they proposed that in New South Wales and when they put it through back in 2016, it all seemed clear before they did it that you just needed to have a vote. But then, uh, quite rightly, they put in a lot of hurdles that had to be jumped Mm. to get the the vote through. Basically, you have to form a committee. The committee has to report back to the owner's corporation. Then they've got three months mandatory cooling off period, and then they have a vote to decide. And then they have a vote not just on unit entitlements, but also the unit owners. So it's unit entitlements and then a headcount. So there's a lot of hoops to be jumped through. I don't know if Queensland will go through that level of checks and balances, possibly because every state likes to do something different from what the other state did. Mm. They they might not. They might make it harder. Um, they might make it easier. Uh, it remains to be seen. But uh, the fact of the matter is there are a lot of old buildings that are taking up quite a lot of space and not giving a lot of accommodation in that space. Mm. But So it's an important kind of part of the renewal process. I mean, as buildings get older and older and, and become less kind of fit for purpose, yep. then it's good to, to make it easier for people to, to vote to either renew them and, and completely refurbish them or something or allow them to be knocked down by developers. But, you know, you look at the, some of these old brick two-storey walk-up buildings, the first thing that strikes you is how small the windows are. Mm. And that's partly because I think they were based on European or British designs of, of the 1950s and 60s when they were built. And the idea was to keep the sunlight out 
yeah. uh, as much as possible. And certainly no ideas about balconies. No, no. And now, you know, they'll be replaced by buildings with wide open window spaces, balconies, lots of fresh air opportunities. They'll be higher. The one thing that you will lose is ceiling height mm. because they can, they can do that. But, you know, they can build higher buildings with more accommodation in them yeah. in the same footprint of, of these older buildings. So if you take, as we've often referred to the, the apartment block where we used to own, where they had a great big backyard that had a two hills hoists, I think, on mm. it. And that was... And a, a bomb shelter. And a bomb shelter. <laughs> and a lot of these buildings with the backyards are now used as car parts for the, the residents. Well, those car parts will go underground and that all that space will become housing. So it's a good thing. Yeah, because some of the buildings are in really prime locations, aren't they, too? So it's good to be able to build more housing in really good locations, kind of close to um, transport or close to amenities, near parks, mm. by the beach, that mm. kind of thing. So, yeah, this is a good thing because I, I think Victoria is still – you still have to have 100% of owners yeah. to vote um, if they want to abolish their strata scheme. Yeah. So. Hopefully at some point they'll kind of come come in too, come up to the 21st century. I had a meeting with uh, Amanda Farmer the other day and we agreed that Victoria... The lawyer. Yep, the lawyer and online presence. We agreed that Victoria might be 15 years behind. Or to, to put it this way, we feel that Victoria is where New South Wales was 15 years ago when we both started writing and campaigning about Strata. And... The funny thing, the ironic thing is, if you talk to Victorians about it, they'll tell you that they're fine, they're, everything's fine, because it hasn't been exposed yet. It's mm. The stories are just starting to come out. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes in the next year or so. Meanwhile, back up in Queensland, it's not just collective sale or forced sale, depending on which side of the fence you're on. Mm -hmm. They're also proposing new laws about pets, Ah, oh, the same as um, sounds very New similar. Wales, where you can't ban all pets from buildings. Yeah, mm. you can. They can restrict pets in buildings, but there has to be a reason for it. Mm. And uh, one of those reasons is not we've never had them and we don't want them. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, it's got to be more specific than that. Yeah, and it could be that you've got residents who are frightened of animals. One of my students the other day, this fluffy little dog ran up to her. And uh, she was absolutely hysterical. She comes from, I think she's from China, where dogs carry a risk that they don't carry here. And she was jumped out of her skin almost. And you think, mm. well, if you had a significant Chinese community or any other cultural community in a building where they really didn't like to have animals around, they could put up a good case for saying, mm. well, this is yeah. not part of our culture. So it, that's another one that needs to be thrashed out. They're going to change the way they run buildings so that committees, how the committees are elected, and um, they're going to try and improve the procedures for taking complaints and taking them to tribunal and things oh, like good. that. Yeah. So they're just tidying things up. They're going to allow owners' corporations, sorry, bodies corporate, as they are in Queensland, they're going to allow the bodies corporate to pass bylaws that restrict people from smoking in the open air on common property. So like on balconies? I don't know if it's balconies. They wouldn't consider them common property in Queensland. Oh, okay. 
But I think there will be an element of the smoke drift is a nuisance that was brought in in New South Wales. Mm. Um, so that wherever you are, whether you're on your balcony or not, if you're annoying your neighbours, then you can maybe be restricted. But the other thing is that I think that at the moment, common property restrictions on smoking are just for inside the building. But if people are standing outside smoking on common property and that smoke is going into people's apartments, then that could be a problem. Okay. Good. Um, yeah, and, and towing cars. They're changing the law so that if a car is in a position on common property where it's blocking access, it can be towed away. I thought they already had that in Queensland. I thought it was the one state where you could still tow vehicles, but maybe it's the specific circumstances. Mm. And what is missing from all this, of course, is pre-sale of management right contracts, mm. which they're going to have to deal with when they get to dissolving community title schemes for the sales to developers or whatever, because those schemes could have a a manager under contract that that manager could have a contract for you know twenty odd years, yeah. and, uh, and so they'd have suddenly, to pay them out. Suddenly, the caretaker is going to have a contract for a building that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. How is that going to work out? Happy days for him. <laughs> I wonder if people who are living in apartment blocks and schemes in Queensland who are faced with a long term contract. They can't get out of it and they're not happy with the performance of the caretakers might go, you know what? Let's just sell the building to a developer <laughs> and let, let them cope let with them it. Cope with that. <laughs> uh, right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the announcement from the Victorian Builders Association, the VBA, that they're cracking down on phoenixing. That's after this. <laughs> The press release came out this weekend um, from Victorian Builders Association warning phoenixing builders that they are coming after them. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know what phoenixing is, that's when a company basically puts up a crappy building and when the owners find out that it's got lots of defects and tell them to come and fix it, they go into receivership or bankruptcy or whatever and disappear and then reappear the same directors with a, another company with a different name doing exactly the same thing. Uh, it's not just a problem in Victoria by any stretch of the imagination. It's a huge problem here in New South Wales. So the Victorian Building Association has come out and said, we're coming after you and we've got all these ways and working in conjunction with the tax office so they can get the details of people who've had previous companies that have gone into receivership or liquidation. I'm never quite sure what no. those different things mean. But basically, they mean the company doesn't work anymore. And it sounds good on the face of it. And I was thinking, well, David Chandler, our building commissioner in New South Wales, has been talking about cracking down on phoenixing, but he thinks he needs to go to ASIC to get the company's um the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. Yeah, because wasn't that when he very famously told them to get their big boy trousers on? Big boy pants. Big boy pants. <laughs> um, and yes. And kind of criticised for that because yeah, it's not Because people are too sensitive. Woke. That's why I got yeah. criticised. So I was wondering why he's not been doing this. Why has he not been going to the tax office and, and uh, saying, can you compare mm. all these details? 
And then you'd start looking at the detail of this press release. The tax office's Phoenix Tax Task Force was set up in 2016. The Victorian Building Association was given increased powers to pursue Phoenixing builders in 2020. Uh, they have caught 15 people. Already since 2020? I think it's not high enough. Still quite a lot, isn't it? Well, it, if that's just the beginning, then that's a good thing. But mm. um, they're, say, they're claiming credit for having stopped uh, 15 companies from having registration. And it's kind of a bit woolly. You know, you think, well, what the builders do here is they they put different directors' names on the companies and, uh, you know, and they'll get a primary school teacher from around the corner who's never done, never had so much as a... somebody's very elderly mother. Yes. And very elderly father. We've had that before in court. Yes. And there are ways, well-practiced ways of getting around this. So maybe that first flush of the, the 15 Phoenixers is quite a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I kind of instinctively feel that they could have done more. Mm. Well, at least it's a start, whichever way Yeah, it is, really. I think these things snowball. I honestly believe that people in Victoria, strata dwellers in Victoria, are living in a kind of, they're not aware fully of how they're being ripped off and what they can do about it. Mm. And I think that's starting to emerge now. And it's what I was saying before about, you know, they seem to be where New South Wales was 15 years ago in terms of tackling these problems, Mm. partly because they don't have the same level of problems as we had here. But it's it's turning, it's changing. Yeah, maybe if they've only caught 15 phoenixes, most of the value in in getting rid of phoenix phoenixing companies, I imagine, is stopping other companies doing it. Yeah. So if they've got 15 and if they're a bit high profile and if they're attracting a bit of publicity for it, then other and other builders or developers who are thinking of of doing the same thing, it may give them hesitation. Yeah, but there's no penalty. The penalty is we're not going to register your new company. Oh, they don't get fined? They don't get carted off to jail where they belong. <laughs> mm, that's a shame. Yeah. I mean, they would possibly get carted off to jail if they continued building when they've been told they don't have a license. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's not that great a deterrent, it, mm. but it does stop more Phoenixers getting into the market. So it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, we're going to talk about a proposal for a big new development at Little Bay. I keep thinking of that movie, Big Night in Little China. <laughs> <laughs> big Block in Little Bay. We'll talk about that after this. We've been talking about the need for um, easier extinguishment of strata so we can build more homes in good locations. Well, there was the revelation this week about a big developer in New South Wales, Meriton, putting in a third proposal for a huge new development, a little bay in Sydney. And as you can tell by its name, it's only a little place. (laughs) It's not that big. And uh, I think previous applications were for 1,900 apartments in a series of 22-storey towers. And right. this is a kind of a little place, really. Yeah. And then it was reduced to 17 towers, 17 storey towers mm. over a larger area. Um, but it was knocked back by the local council. Then it was knocked back by the um, planning panel. panel. Yeah. 
And now the New South Wales government has this pilot scheme to encourage developers to build lots of extra homes. And so if you're a developer build plant with a proposal to build over a thousand homes, you can go direct to them and they will give you maybe a much quicker approval. So mm. their process will be much smarter. Mm. And so um, Meriton has now gone to that New South Wales government pilot program yep. um, with an application to build lots of apartments in the same place. Yeah. But it, the interesting thing is, well, there's lots of interesting things, but the most amazing thing is that um, if you see the application, you have to sign the confidentiality agreement and all yeah. the workers in the Department of Planning have to sign it as well. So nobody can actually talk about it or reveal how many apartments it is, how many towers it proposes, wow. where exactly they are. So this kind of level of secrecy and confidentiality is just bizarre, really. Mm, interesting. The whole thing about overdevelopment and undersupply has become a big issue. I mean, Harry Trigobuff, who's never, as far as I know, been not controversial, he's quoted in the paper as saying, oh, if they want to shut me down, then how are they going to build all the houses that mm. they need? And, you know, there's, there's probably no one in Australia who has housed more people than Harry Trickabov. Mm. And that's something we tend to forget. Yeah, and all credit to that, really. Yeah, but it hasn't always been a joyful experience for those no. involved. No. But there was another article in the Herald, the Cinemony Herald, this, this morning. There's a big feature about the housing crisis. Mm. And an economist said it's supply and demand and housing is going up in price because there's a shortage of housing and there's an increase in demand. He said, you're never going to get developers flooding the market with properties to bring their price down. That's, there's no point in that, in them doing that. They need to keep the prices up. Or they certainly want to keep the prices up. And the way you keep the prices up is by limiting the supply um, uh, to be just under what the demand is. Mm. We see it with the oil-rich countries in the Middle East. They control the flow of oil. And whenever the price goes down a bit, then they, they, they shut down production until it goes back up. So they, this guy was saying, you're never going to get the developers to flood the market or increase the market to the point where everything becomes affordable because it's not in their interest. Mm. And I think that's true. And the missing factor in all this, as we have said many times, is the government, the state governments should be out there building rental properties uh, for people who want to have long-term rentals. I mean, all this stuff about, you know, if somebody puts up a big development and they put 5% housing in there for affordable housing, it's a drop in the ocean. Mm, yeah. The government should have a, a, a special corporation that builds houses, or not houses, apartments for people to live in. And if they want to buy them, that's great. If they want to rent them, that's also great. Mm. But this obsession with everybody having to live in a house that they own, mm. that's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And they could be partnering with lots of um, housing associations as well, people like Nightingale. Yeah. You know, where they were started off by a group of architects uh, building sustainable apartments for people and um, a lot of subsidised housing. I mean, they're doing some fantastic work. Yeah. 
Um, so there's lots of people out there doing lots of good stuff, but they maybe need more funds or they may need more government approvals to help them along the way. Yeah. So the government can be doing an awful lot more. I quite agree. It's this thing that there's a, such a negative taint on anything that seems to be housing commission, uh, and there shouldn't be. But there is, there is a middle ground there for build good buildings in good areas for the people that you need to live in the areas where they work. Let's get away from the profit motive. And, you know, somebody, again, in this feature in the Sydney Morning Herald, they said, oh, you know, there's this theory that every time somebody buys a three-bedroom apartment, then a one-bedroom apartment becomes available. And she was saying that she's an academic, her name escapes me at the moment, but she was saying that what happens is the people who've got money They'll knock two apartment apartments together. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll buy an apartment and it'll sit empty for ages because they've got another house somewhere else. It does. It's not as simple as that. You have to build housing or apartments for the people where they want to work and where they want to live. Sure. And build to rent sector is getting much bigger. A lot more people are getting involved in that. That's obviously still for profit, but it is building often very good buildings with yep. fantastic level of amenity yep. and uh, which are really renter friendly yep. for, for tenants yep. and and that's something to be really welcomed. I mean it, the sector is much more advanced in Europe than it is here uh, but we are kind of there, there is an awful in, lot of injection of money into build to rent at the moment. And the other thing that was mentioned in this feature is negative gearing and as somebody said you know we should be building houses for people to live in before we build houses for people to have tax breaks on. All right, so we've solved most of the housing problems of Australia again. If only. I'm sure somebody somewhere is sitting listening to us going, oh, right, yes, that's what I need to do. I'll announce a new law on Monday (laughs) or Wednesday, to be accurate. Thanks, Sue, for giving up a chunk of your weekend again. Okay, pleasure, Jimmy. And thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.